Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why do I always end up with the sex-themed podcasts? Hi, I'm Jacob Edward. I use they, them pronouns, and I split my time working on youth engagement for AKT, presenting on LGBTQ plus radio station Gadio, podcasting, and squeezing a degree in between all of that. Today, though, I want to go deeper into my personal life than ever before to try to figure out once and for all whether I'm ashamed of sex or am I asexual. It's a question that's been bothering me for a long time. It probably goes without saying that this episode will contain mentions of sex and private parts and so much more. Yes, it's here. Another fantastic episode ahead by hashtag QueerAF regular producer Jacob Edward. And this week, we're talking about a spectrum of feelings when it comes to sex. The differences between asexuality and being ashamed of sex. Plus Jacob, who used their portfolio to get a job as Radio One's first non-binary presenter, shares boldly and bravely as ever. In this week's Hashtag QueerF, I'm Jamie Wareham. I guess my struggles with sexuality have kind of been on the back burner for such a long time whilst I had gender crisis after gender crisis after gender crisis. And so this is a pretty big deal for me to actually be exploring sexuality as openly as I'm about to do in this episode. Kind of feels freeing. Am I ashamed of sex or am I asexual? Part one. Asexuality. Last year, I created an episode of Hashtag Queer AF called Boyfriends, Girlfriends and They Friends. The episode explored the ins and outs of dating as a non-binary person. And within that episode, I casually drop this line. I'm also sort of asexual, but that's a story for a different day. And guess what? Today is the day that that episode finally materialises. Now, asexuality is something far too many non-asexuals have a very strong opinion on. So as someone who is maybe asexual, it doesn't feel quite right to just have my voice on this. Plus, I have so many questions. So who better than someone who is actually asexual? I'd like to introduce you to the creator of hashtag this is what asexual looks like, alternative model and asexual activist, Yasmin Bennett. I guess my first question is, how would you describe asexuality? I would define asexuality as a lack of sexual attraction or an absence of sexual attraction. So it doesn't have anything to do with your 
libido, anything to do with your hormones or your sex drive or your romantic orientation or your attitudes towards sex or whether you will or won't have sex. It's about who you're attracted to. And in the case of asexual people, we're not attracted to anybody really. So it's a sexual orientation that's characterized by not really being oriented anywhere. This is something that I've really wanted to touch on for a long time now, and it's can asexual people still be sexually active? Asexual people can definitely still be sexually active. I don't think that's very uncommon. What people need to keep in mind is that asexual people quite often still have romantic attraction to other people and they're not necessarily dating other asexual people. And so they do still have sex if their partner is interested in sex. Not all asexual people are sex repulsed. Not all asexual people don't enjoy sex. It's an absence of sexual attraction rather than, you know, your body not working like that. Of course, not being sexually attracted to someone does influence probably how often you'd want to have sex and how you would feel about it, but doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do it and doesn't necessarily mean that you can't get any enjoyment out of it yourself. And it's also should be remembered that asexuality is a spectrum. So there are some asexual people who do feel sexual attraction to some extent, um, a below average extent, but it's still there. And therefore they might still be sexually attracted to someone and want to have sex with them. Just probably not very often at all. So yeah, it's definitely possible, but that's a common misconception. And it's this line here about asexuals being sexual that got me to think, maybe I am asexual. It's what started this whole trail of thought so many years ago. And I was like, what's happening inside of my head? And then just pushing it back because gender took over and was like, no, you can think about this at a later date. My journey with sexuality hasn't exactly been a smooth ride. I've never really enjoyed sex. The few experiences that I have had up until this point have been mixed at best with a lot of strong emotions and just general feelings about whether I actually enjoyed it, whether I wanted to do it again and who I want to do it with. It's a lot of things to think about and it just sort of overwhelmed my head so much that I just sort of started going with the flow. But as I've evolved, it's kind of become necessary to understand exactly where I'm coming from because otherwise if you don't understand where your body is coming from, It's hard to understand what you actually want. It's this not knowing thing that led me to make some pretty bad choices. But that's why I didn't think the label quite fit me. And hearing that some asexuals experience sexual desires made me think, well, I sort of shift. So maybe, maybe I'm asexual and I just sometimes want sex. Does that exist? Ultimately, I don't think asexuality is the right label for me. It's close, but I don't think it fully embraces everything that is going on in my brain. So I guess there's one thing I should probably say at this point. Some people will argue, well, you don't need to label yourself. Just do what feels right. But there is such a power in having a label. Because once you have a label, you can scout out others who have a similar lived experience to you who understand what you are going through 
And that is so powerful. It's why words like gay, lesbian, bi, trans, non-binary, these terms exist so that you can find others who are like you in some ways, who relate to the experience that you've gone through, and therefore you found people that get you. Coming up after this short break. Part two. The flakes. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Hashtag QRF. I'm Jamie Wareham. If you've never listened to us before, thanks for joining. We are the LGBT Plus storytelling podcast that pays students, graduates, and LGBT Plus producers to make the show with the aim of helping them build a portfolio to get a job in the audio industry with queer stories. We now have four seasons of stories like Jacob's. They're personal stories which are bold, brave, and wholeheartedly hashtag queer AF. We are a project by National Student Pride, and we were started because an editor told me there was no sponsorship money or audience in queer stories, so I should stop pitching them. Well, as a podcast that's made by Quiz, that now has an international audience, secured sponsorship, allows us to pay producers to make the show and give them a leg up in the industry, and has been nominated in British Podcast Awards. We continue to prove that editor wrong. If you love what we do here, share the show with a friend, colleague, or on social media, and help spread the hashtag QueerAF mission to empower people to tell LGBT plus stories. That's what we're all about. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We're back. This is Hashtag QueerAF, the podcast that helps LGBT plus reporters get some of their first audio commissions a project by National Student Pride. This week, Jacob Edwards has settled on asexuality not being a label that works for them. So what next? Part two. The Flakes. As someone who is very, very awkward when it comes to sex, talking about it on a podcast should terrify me. Yet here we are, again, 
talking about sex. So I guess since we're talking about sex, I kind of need to talk about my experiences of sex. So me and sex have a history of being nah, sort of okay with each other, like at a distance, a very big distance. I've never necessarily hated sex. I've just never necessarily liked it as such. I mean, if we talk about my first time, it was a very soft introduction to sex. It was very much kiss a bit, strip a bit, have a feel a bit, then do a little bit more a bit. No penetration, just just basics like, oh, look at this thing that does this thing. Why is it so hard for me to say penis? My second experience is kind of where things went a bit, well, upside down. I don't want to go into it at all. Not now. Probably not ever. But um, let's just settle on it wasn't enjoyable for me. And it left me in a strange situation. And I felt awful. And I couldn't find a reason why I necessarily felt awful apart from the thing that was sticking out at me like, like a sore thumb. Something that was really apparent to me, though, was that I didn't like anal. It's a fun word, but I didn't like it. And anal is really strange because it's often referred to as the default for sex, with everything else considered foreplay. Whereas for me, I was considerably enjoying foreplay a lot more than I was the other stuff. Then I came across this term called a side which is like a top or a bottom, but neither. The side is essentially in place of top or bottom. It's sort of like you do everything except the penetration-y stuff. And that's quite cool. I first came across the term when YouTuber Callum McSwiggan did a video on it and explained that he identified as a side. He'd tried anal, he'd tried it both ways, but ultimately it wasn't for him. And it was such an interesting video, especially for me at the time, who was just confused as to why I hated sex. So I contacted Callum and talk all about the side. When we think about sex, you know, from a very, well, not, maybe not a young age, but like when we first start to learn about sex, it's always taught in a way that a penis enters a vagina. That's what sex is. It's all about penetra- penetration. So that when you look at this, you know, outside of the norm of heterosexuality, I think people are almost trying to replicate that. So you have, you know, anal sex within gay men, but then if it's lesbian couples, then perhaps it's a strap on, etc. And we seem to have this almost like obsession with penetration. Now that's not to say that there aren't a lot of gay men out there who really enjoy anal sex because clearly there are there are and I genuinely think it's the majority I think a lot of gay men are really drawn to the idea of anal sex and they find it really a turn on and exciting and that you know what good for them I do really want to spread the word and talk about it more um, but I know I, every time I talk about it online people are like Callum we know like st- <laughs> like stop going on about it but I, but I do keep talking about it because I, I want more people to know because I know there are so many gay boys maybe non-binary people out there who who feel the same way and I want them to know that it's absolutely okay like it it really really is and also like I know all the like celebrities and influencers who feel the same but they're afraid to talk about it and tell people so I want to shout from the top of the rooftops and like people are sick of me talking about my sex life like Callum (laughs) shut up but like I'm going to continue doing it because I think it's important 
I was raised as a Catholic. I wasn't exactly brought up to be like, all sex is bad, but it was something that's never really talked about. And sex education in the UK anyway is dire. And so I learned about circumcisions and pubes and that's about it. But I think the lack of dialogue between me and other adults really affected me in an unusual way when it comes to actually feelings towards sex. Because I don't have a reason why I am necessarily ashamed of it. Yet I feel it. I covered it briefly in a video with Bradley Burkholz where we talk about post-coital you dysphoria. you describe your experiences of post-coital dysphoria? One night I was like, I feel sad after sex is what I typed into Google. And I couldn't, find, I think I found one Mumsnet article, weirdly. Um, and then I just typed in loads of different terms and eventually I came across post-coital Post-coital dysphoria. Which is where you feel an overwhelming sense of shame after you orgasm, which is something that I am so familiar with. I'm no expert, and if I'm honest, I think the people of the UK deserve an expert. So let's bring in Katie Evans of Katie Evans Counselling. I think it's one of the most common issues that people struggle with. I think it feels like it's an individual thing, and actually once we start looking at shame, we realise that so many of us carry it. There is so much... Oh, wow, really? Yeah, so much shame around sex. The way that we have sex, or if we enjoy it enough or not, or, or how we want to have sex or our relationships to it. So it's something that's very common that I think it would benefit people to know just how many of us carry that kind of shame or, or questions around it. And so why do you think that there is such a shame? I guess, is it higher amongst LGBT people or is it across the, the board? I think it's across the board, but it does, it, it's higher with... LGBTQ, it, it's something around the extra element of, of hidden. Um, that when you're kind of learning about sex, when you're kind of starting to explore who you are sexually and, and what you're interested in and what you like, we do it in small ways. So we'll kind of, you know, check things out with friends or we'll put pictures on a wall, we'll have first crushes, we'll start to explore things, we'll check things out with people around us. If we feel we can't do that because somehow we're hiding something about ourselves and we maybe can't put our crush on the wall because we're not sure if it'll be okay or we can't quite check in with that person because they might not understand, it creates this extra level of hidden and you can't explore quite in the same way. And I think that can add this kind of extra level of shame, which is really difficult. And, and you know, working on different ages, hopefully things are changing more. And I believe they are, that we're kind of opening up a bit more. But particularly for people who were learning about the sexuality years ago, it, it was really difficult to kind of feel comfortable with sexuality and not internalise this feeling of different or wrong, you know? Yeah. It made it really hard. It's kind of nice to know that I'm not alone in feeling really ashamed of sex. It, it's so ingrained in our, in our sort of society here that we have these feelings around sex and, and sexuality and pleasure. I think we talk about sex, we don't necessarily talk about pleasure and our relationships to it, and we don't talk about our insecurities with it either. So, you know, we learn about it in school, and hopefully, again, things are getting better. Well, it was never the thing you wanted to do. It was try not to do it, and if you must, don't get pregnant. You know, there, it was so, we had that kind of type of thing. Um, there was no sense that it was very heteronormative, so there was no sense of, of any other kind of sex other than kind of procreation or avoiding creation. So how do you think we can overcome this then? It's talking around it, talking about it. 
it seems straightforward, but I think the more we can start to explore with other people, the shame is something that exists, that sex can be scary, that sex can be difficult, that sometimes you might not enjoy it. And it's like, is, is everybody else enjoying this? I'm not, what am I missing out on? Because we haven't found what does feel good and what feels okay. Also, going back and looking at where did your relationship with a knowledge of sex start? It starts off from way before your first sexual experience or first sexual feeling. You've picked up messages before then. What have we picked up that's built our framework that then once we start going into puberty and get on hormones, where do we put sex within that? Talking to Katie really made me think about where my relationship with my sexuality actually started. And from what I can remember, it was the very traumatic PE changing rooms. Part free. Sex. The expanded universe. Nearing the end of my teenage years, I began to actually understand what I was into. And looking back at it, that is the part of sex I'm ashamed of. The people in my life were never really sex positive. At the same time, it just wasn't talked about. So there was no negativity either. Yet my sexual desires weren't exactly vanilla. And I really did struggle with the throwaway comments that people would make about having kinks and fetishes. But I didn't actually realize until I started making this episode that it wasn't the sex I was ashamed of. It was my sexual preferences. The kinks, the fetishes, the weird little things that only you like. Unfortunately, the education was just not there. I felt so alone and I just wanted to try this stuff. I'd been dreaming of it long enough. I turned 18 and I joined this kink hookup app and arranged to meet someone. And that was a mistake. I'm not going into what happened, but just know, you're not alone. This led to even more shame, more mental health problems, more suffering, I guess. I hated myself. And that is why I think sex education is so important, because otherwise it enables people to take advantage of you. It's the reason I wanted to introduce you to my friend, Ben. Hey. Hi. So Ben is my friend, and he's also a member of the kink community, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think that's a fair fair description. So the main thing that I want to talk to you about is consent. Certainly within, within the kink community, there's kind of two main, I guess, consent frameworks, you'd call them. There's what you'd call SSC, which is safe, sane and consensual. So that's making sure that everything you do within the bounds of that play is safe, it's sane and both parts of sides are con- con- consenting. So you know, that might be something on the on the lighter side that's, you know, definitely no one's going to get hurt by anything. It's all, you know, hunky-dory. Yeah. Um, and then for some of the more, and again, even, even bondage can fall into this, you know, for some of the more slightly riskier things, it's moving from safe, sane, consensual to risk-aware. Risk-aware consent or RAC. Yeah. Um, and that is very much making sure that both both parties are kind of completely informed about um, the risks involved with what they're doing. So, you know, if you're doing some, you know, more complicated bondage, for example, um, it's being aware of 
circulation and various nerves and stuff and being aware that there are certain risks associated with that. And again, you know, it's like if you're going into a situation where you know that you're giving up your ability to kind of stop it of your own accord, it's making sure that you've you've agreed a safe word or something. Or a safe signal. Or a safe signal, very very true, very true. You know, if, if someone's unable to, to speak, then they need to be able to indicate that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in, in the dominant role in the scene, you need to be keeping an eye on the person in the more submissive role. Yeah. Um, because you need to make sure that they're definitely okay. Um, and just a bit of advice from me, do not ever, ever, ever go with anyone that says, oh, I can tell if you're you're feeling like you're not into it, because yeah. that's a lie. Yeah. Nobody can, except that's you. That's the thing, That yeah. is literally consent. That's the thing. You, 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 you should always have the ability to get out of it. One thing, one thing I've, I've learned from the scene, which, I've, which I try and use in my play, is, um, is, is traffic lights, red, orange, green, or red, yellow, green. Um, if, I'm, if I'm playing with someone and I want to check in with them, um, I will normally ask them for a colour. And again, this is something that I would have discussed with them beforehand. If they say, if they say green, that means it's all good, it's all good, keep going, keep going, you know, loving it sort of thing. Or, you know, along those lines, <laughs> um, yellow or will tend to mean kind of I'm getting towards my limit, ease off or check in or that sort of thing. So you know, if, if I'm playing with someone and and they were to suddenly say yellow, um, I would probably roll back what I was doing and check in if I wasn't expecting it, um, or I would treat that as depending on who I was playing with, I, I might treat that as the line that I don't want to go any further from. Mm-hmm. Um, because the step further from yellow would be red, which is, nope, stop, that's enough, nope, sorry, gotta go stop it. And at that point, you know, I'll have an agreement with the person that I'm playing with that that, that, at that point we would stop, we'd stop the scene, we'd stop playing, Um, because at that point you need to stop, you need to reground yourselves, you need to see what's going on, Um, and maybe you continue playing afterwards, maybe you don't, and if you don't, that's okay. Like, it's completely fine to, to stop a scene, you know. That's really good advice, though, mm. and really, really important because mm. too many people don't understand that consent still stands in these mm. scenarios, and I think that's where a lot of the, I guess, taboo around kinks can be. It's like, well, how can you give consent if you're tying up somebody? Mm. And it's like, there's ways, and people should respect that. Yeah, and and again, that's a struggle because it is it is a taboo topic. It's not something that, on average, that you're going to end up casually chatting to your friends about. It's it's something that that is seen as quite quite personal, and yeah. You know, so it's it is making sure that people get that education when they're when they're doing that sort of thing. It's, it's really important. So I'm not asexual, but you all do need to accept that asexuals are part of this community, as are aromantics. There is a position called decide, and that's okay. Not everybody likes anal stuff. Sex is meant to be pleasurable, and it's good to explore and get to know yourself. And kinks and fetishes are so valid. Just be really careful, as they can put you in extremely vulnerable positions as well. So be safe. But am I ashamed of sex? I don't think I am. I was ashamed by the idea that I didn't find the kind of sex society expected me to be having pleasurable. But fuck society! Not literally. I'm not into that. I'm non-binary. I am queer. My sexuality is so all over the place, so broad, and so fluid. 
I think that's something that's so important to understand is just how fluid sexuality can actually be. The same way gender can be fluid, so can sexuality. There are times that I want nothing more than to cuddle with somebody or hug someone or just be cute together when there are other times that, you know, other things might happen. And there's a massive variety of things that may or may not happen in between. And that's so okay. I am really surprised by how much I've managed to grow over the past few months developing and producing this podcast to the point where I get to speak to you. So from the bottom of my actual heart, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag Queer AF, National Student Pride's podcast. My name is Jacob Edward. Now here's Jamie. That's it for this week and season four of Hashtag Queer But stay with us for this week's LGBTQ music track, which we play at the end of each episode. Thanks to It's Jacob Edwards for today's production and story. Check out their Twitter, at It's Jacob Edwards. They also have the same Instagram handle. Executive production came from me, at Jamie underscore Wareham. We've already had some episode pitches for season five. So if you have a story you want to craft, produce into an episode, and be mentored throughout the whole process from pitch to invoice. Now is the time to email me, jamie at studentpride.co.uk. It doesn't matter if you haven't made a podcast before, we're here to get you from idea to whole episode with us. We can't wait to get production going again. You can bring us back faster by sharing us with a friend or on social media to help us beat those algorithms that beat down queer content. Or more crucially, and I know you do have to go out of your way for this one, but hey, log on to Apple Podcasts or iTunes on your computer or an iPhone. Search hashtag queer AF and subscribe, rate and review us while you're there. It's a big deal for podcasts to get this level of love. And yes, it is a little bit of an annoying thing to go out of your way and do. And it's a free way you to help all of the producers that make this show so special thanks that's it for season four this week's track comes from eve westwood you can check out her instagram at eve westwood music and all of her music is on spotify itunes amazon music deezer and all of those other favorite streaming platforms where you can also find guess what hashtag queer af2 We'll be back in your podcast feeds very soon. Until then, we are hashtag QueerAF, and so are you.
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 